Hi, folks. Welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. This week, we have on Brian DeConing and Duncan Craig, partners at Raka. We start with Raka's journey through the partner program, and as an agency who has been a part of the program since 2012, Brian and Duncan share how they've seen the program evolve and change over time, and how they've evolved their team along with it. We then turn our attention to Raka Health, a new verticalized sub-brand launched and geared towards healthcare and life science brands. They discuss the launch and how they made the call to formalize this specialization with its own brand. And with the launch of Raka Health, they share the changes they had to make structurally, operationally, within their processes, and to their overall go-to-market strategy to support. And lastly, we dig into their expertise within healthcare to talk HIPAA compliance. Specifically with HubSpot, we talk about implementation for their healthcare clients that supports and meets their needs regarding HIPAA and data privacy. And they share their approach from the discovery and sales perspective all the way through tech stacks integrations and HubSpot data modeling. Another episode of Agency Unfiltered begins right now. guys welcome to agency unfiltered how are we doing doing, doing great. great yeah thanks for having us you betcha um excited to have you both on the podcast uh excited to get the rock perspective obviously decade plus or so maybe 10 12 years in the program so i'm sure you know you've seen quite a bit you've experienced quite a bit uh, so i'm excited to to extract the knowledge and know-how that i can from you guys uh but uh i think you know, obviously we know it's a, it's a pretty great fall day in New England. Hopefully that's true when this actually comes out. Uh, but how's the start of Q4 going for, for you both and for the agency? Yeah, it's going well. I mean, I feel like we're building on the momentum that we've we've uh, established, you know, earlier in the year. And uh, just hoping to finish the year strong. And um, HubSpot's a big part of that, a big part of what we do. But, um, you know, we're excited to be here and chat about it and, uh Looking forward to to the end of this year and then building into the next year. That's, that's excellent. Well, uh, uh, happy Q4 to you both. Hopefully it's fruitful uh, and then it, it sets you up well going into the new year. Uh, now, I know too, and we'll get there, uh, Raka obviously launched a sub-brand, Raka Health. It, it sounds like there's some deep alignment uh, and expertise into like the healthcare vertical. I think we'll get there, but maybe the best place to start, again, decade plus in the program. From the day you joined the partner program, uh, uh, was it always the plan to go all in on HubSpot? Were you platform agnostic at a point? Were you always uh, aligned 100% to HubSpot? Give me a sense of you know the lay of the land, where you were at the onset of your journey with HubSpot. Sure, sure. Um, I can start with that, but I'd love to hear Duncan's perspective too, because our uh, I think our perspectives have shifted over the years. You know, so we started um, as a HubSpot partner in 2012. Right. And that's when I joined Raka. Raka had been around since 2004 as a very successful digital marketing agency, doing a lot of website design and development, animations and, and custom programming and platform development. Um, so when I joined in 2012, we started focusing uh, quite a bit more on content marketing. Right. 
inbound marketing mm-hmm. and, and um, began doing that for ourselves and then doing that for clients as a service. And HubSpot was obviously a tool that I was aware of for, you know, being in the industry for a few years and then also, you know, having the good fortune of being right in HubSpot's backyard. So back in those days, we used to go to uh, networking events, you know, um, got a few signed copies of Darmesh and Brian Halligan's book early on. Yeah. Um, and we were, uh, we were inspired by all of that, of course. So, but when we first started working with HubSpot as a partner in 2012, you know, it was one of the tools we used along with uh, several others that we all know about um, to support our clients. And we started doing it for ourselves, using HubSpot for ourselves. Um, the tool has changed drastically since then, evolved. Right? For sure. You know? Yeah. So it was it was marketing automation at that time. And that's um, that's what we were working with. So. We would use HubSpot for some of our clients. Uh, we would use other tools like Marketo, et cetera. Um, and as we got more experience with HubSpot and the software evolved and just became you know, better and offered more and had more functionality, and we started to learn more about the partner program, we decided that you know, it was a really good fit for us. So we were sort of a reluctant partner at first. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't like our plan to be Diamond HubSpot uh, Solutions partner then. But um, as we used it more, we determined HubSpot was the right fit for us and that we really wanted to be experts or really good at one, yeah. one sort of platform, right? So we made the choice to, to go with HubSpot. Um, the, the, the time we, we really decided to go all in on HubSpot was um, later on when the content management system evolved a little yep. bit more. Um, but you know, our early journey was, um, it was about learning how to use the, the tool itself, providing the best services we could for our clients, and then realizing that HubSpot was, was the tool and, and the organization, actually the culture mm-hmm. that, that we really wanted to align ourselves with. I love that you called out both the product, but yeah, I mean, it's a good point. That's like, well, is it the type of company that we'd want to, you know, uh, invest in a partnership with? Yeah. I love that call out. Um, how about yourself, Doug? I have a follow-up question, but I, I don't want to speak over if you have some added commentary. Yeah, just a little bit. I thought Brian answered that perfectly uh, and accurately, but um, you know, one thing uh, is uh, there was a time period when we first started working or using HubSpot with our clients where we had to do a lot of education around what HubSpot was, what inbound marketing was, sure. why it was important to do it. Um, and a lot of times we were sort of adding this on to a website project or a project that they came to us for something else. And we were like, you really should be doing this too. If you really want to maximize your investment in your website and actually grow your business, here's how, how we can help you. And it's going to involve using something called HubSpot. And we had to do a lot of education around that. And there was a shift several years ago where we didn't have to really explain what HubSpot was or what inbound marketing was. Uh, in, and, you know, it, people understood it. People just sort of had heard about it and and understood that this was something they should be investing in. And that also sort of played into our shift as we were doing a lot less sort of convincing of people and mm-hmm. a lot more sort of vetting of is is this going to or do they fully understand exactly what uh, HubSpot does and how we can use it to help them. 
And if so, that's a great fit for us. If we're really having to push them into it, maybe it's not a great fit. And that also helped us to make the shift into saying we should be doing pretty much all HubSpot work because mm -hmm. uh, those are the perfect clients for us, the people that understand the value and the power of the system. It's interesting. You guys have been, you know, part of the ecosystem in the, the partner community for long enough. You, you were able to feel that switch or the transition, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Super interesting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our sales pitches in those days prior to like 2017, I would say, involved a lot of education, right? So this is inbound marketing. This is why you need it. This is why it's a good thing. This is HubSpot. So yeah, that, that shift, it happened almost within like one, a year's period around 2017 or so. Yeah. So talking to you guys about uh, how this, the, the update to the CMS or like the enhancement of features within our CMS, you know, that triggered, you know, the decision to maybe go all in on HubSpot. It was kind of that product rollout. Uh, and so that, you know, more broadly, I guess my, my question there would be, how has Raka taken the uh, product announcements or the expansion of the HubSpot platform over time, right? When you joined, it was marketing automation, a lot of marketing tools. We know it's it's increased in breadth and depth. Uh, I think coming out of this inbound, right? A number of partners are probably thinking about how to maximize Commerce Hub. And so right. what has been the, the the playbook or how has Rocka found success in taking a look at new hubs or new product launches and figuring out how to evolve or transition or add to your service offerings, right? To to account for the changes. Yeah. So it's, it's always uh, difficult um, for agencies, for HubSpot, HubSpot solutions partners to stay up to speed with everything that's happening because it happens so quickly. HubSpot iterates, evolves um, at a rapid pace. But what we try to do is to just pay attention to the updates as they're announced and look for the things that are really applicable to our current clients and then kind of focus on those. You know, we're, we're a 25-person agency and we do have folks who are dedicated as HubSpot specialists. Um, but we try to get up to speed as quickly as we can and then to kind of translate that for our clients, you know, and help them filter through what's really going to be valuable for their individual organizations, for their businesses and for their goals. Uh, so that's how we approach it. We also try and get in and use everything that we can as soon as possible. Um, you know, there are things that come out that we're not always up to date on and we have to uh, play a little catch up. That happens. Um, there used to be a time where we could, you know, a person could be an expert in HubSpot, right? Um, but it's I think it's more challenging to have that yeah, one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you have different uh, niche, niches within HubSpot where you know somebody might be an expert in a certain hub or in databases um, or in development or what have you, or, or you know, integrations or, or um, migrations. So. Um, we try to stay up to speed. We look for the things that we think are going to be beneficial for our clients. And then we sort of focus on those things and roll them out. On the flip side of that, we'll adjust our services to provide, you know, support of new hubs as they come along. We'll also look for ways to provide education and just information to our clients and to our team as, um, as HubSpot unveils new, new features and functionality. Yeah, no, that's great. How about you, Duncan? I never want to. I never want to step <laughs> over you. But yeah, hey, if no sure. notes, I can. I got plenty on my that, end. That was a great answer. I can give a, another quick sort of uh, add-on to that, which is that um, we have really three three distinct teams within Raka: the strategy and content team, the user experience and design team, and the development team. And 
each team is empowered to really sort of dig into the tools as they come out, um, new features and everything like that, and be and bring it bring it to the entire group and say, hey, um, you know, there's this new functionality that uh, was just introduced into the CMS hub, and uh, it's really going to be great because we can do X, Y, and Z with it now. And so um, it's it's not only sort of digging in um, just overall, but having the specialists on our team really take a look at the things that they're going to be working in and find the things that are going to be meaningful and then bring it to everyone's attention so that we can, we can get out there and talk to clients about it and, and, you know, find, find the good fits for it. Nope. Yeah. Makes sense. Now I want to get to the, the rollout of the launch of Rocka health. One last question though. I think, I mean, you guys can probably, uh, uh, agree to this, but you know, over 12 years, 10 years or so in the program, it's probably not just the product uh, announcements that you've had to adapt with and evolve with, but obviously, you know, programmatically, right. Maybe some structure as to how the partner program operates or what we look for partners to, to do. Uh, and so, you know, not just product, but again, programmatic changes, uh, probably some that you were psyched about, maybe others that, that you weren't so psyched about, but any tips or tricks again, as a longstanding partner on how businesses can adapt to, to the rolling changes or, or to, to, you know, where and how the program may evolve, right? Yeah. Duncan, do you want to take that one or you want me to? I want you to, Brian. <laughs> okay. Um, you served on the Partner Advisory Council, so you should, you should really. Right. You, got, yeah, you got a front and, row seat. You got a front <laughs> row seat. I did. I, so we were on the first Partner Advisory Committee. Um, I think that was about 2017. And at that time, it was individuals, right? Now they list out the companies that are take part in it. We're not on it at the moment. But um, you, uh, Duncan and or I had to make a decision because we thought we were both going to do it. So we had to make a decision as to who would represent Raqqa. And I luckily, I got that. Uh, a high privilege. stakes rock, paper, scissors? Or how did <laughs> yeah. you, you know, Indian leg Some, Something yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, one of the things we got was a rain jacket. It was a pretty sweet marmot rain jacket. And uh, they came to me because they only yeah. said one. And Duncan, Duncan had, had I known one. there would have been a jacket involved, I would have fought harder to be on the Yeah, that's an important criteria committee. to be able to <laughs> yeah. make the decision off of. Like, all right, let's talk about swag coming through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, you know, we've uh, we've been lucky to work with some really fantastic people at HubSpot over the years, including, uh, you know, a couple of our outstanding cams that we've had. Andrew Fazone, who's our current cam, and then uh, Jill Fradiani mm -hmm. uh, was our first cam. And we got to work with Jill for about five years, actually, maybe more. Um, but they really helped us with the changes that took place when we were just starting out. Uh, we work with Andrew now, and he's been fantastic to give us a heads up to help us prepare for changes and things like that. And then we've also worked with the channel consultant, Guillaume Delu, who for several years, who's also been a really great advocate for us at, on the HubSpot side and helped us to plan out how to navigate different changes and rules changes to the partnership program. Mm -hmm. um, the recent changes that have come uh, you know, it was a big, big shock to a lot of partners, a big uh, change, especially the way commissions are, are paid out and, and those sorts of things. Rocco was was positioned pretty well for for that uh, change that took place uh, earlier this year. So we were, um, you know, we were already doing a lot of the things that HubSpot was recommending. Those things were sourcing your own, you know, 
deals, new prospects, not solely relying on HubSpot for referrals and things like that. Not to say anyone who, who had structured their agency that way was, you know, not doing a great job building their business. We just happened to be in the situation where the rules changes did not did impact us negatively, right? So what I would say for advice to other partners who are, are, are considering working with HubSpot or working with HubSpot is, you know, you it's it's fantastic to go all in on HubSpot and be, um, you know, part of the ecosystem and, and build your business around that. But you also have to have some structure in place to to be able to roll with those changes, you know, especially if um, your revenues based on HubSpot commissions and things like that, because that can change at any time. Um, we try to be open to the changes that HubSpot announces. Um, it's a it's it's a big big job for the management team of HubSpot to always be balancing the interests of the partner community with the interests of the the clients, the direct customers. Um, and we, I think we understand that. So we try to be a good partner, you know, be a partner that HubSpot can rely on. We really try to do that um, with the best of intentions. And then also um, not rely too heavily on HubSpot. I'm not sure that's the answer that you were looking hey, for. It's, it's a helpful tip. Hey, it's agency unfiltered. We'll take it, you know. Um, yeah. I think if I had to cherry pick a few things out of that, right? First, it yeah. sounds like building really strong relationships with with the points of contact you may have at HubSpot and and leverage them as a resource, right, to help navigate as things evolve yeah. or change. Uh, it sounds like second, maybe operationally, right, account for change. The only constant is change. And so having some malleability and preparedness, you know, so you can be, you know, agile in that way. And it sounds like the third piece was, uh, you know, uh, uh, don't don't wind down the demand gen machine or, or your your team's ability to source you know, your own deals or opportunities. It sounds like that, that played a major role in, in having you guys, you know, be set up for success here or, or feeling good about, you know, 2023, 2024 and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a fourth thing, those are, that's a really uh, succinct way you, you summarize that. I appreciate that, Kevin. I think a fourth thing is, is to um, take advantage of the opportunities that HubSpot does offer. Mm. So with the new accreditations they've rolled out in the last couple few years, um, those are really chances for a partner to differentiate itself, to be really strong in one discipline or, or implementations or uh, migrations or what have you. So look for those opportunities and find the ones that fit your agency, uh, I think is another approach you can take. Yeah, that's a, it's a really great tip. Thanks for adding that fourth one in. Uh, and yes, couldn't agree more with accreditations. Uh, believe strongly in that, that program. Uh, I know, I mean, Rocket could probably speak to this too. Uh, not something that, uh, that you can do uh, quickly or haphazardly. I know it's quite the time commitment. Uh, requires a, a healthy amount of effort and bandwidth from the team, you know, contribution. So, you know, plan for it accordingly, but uh, yeah. it certainly bears fruit if you're able to successfully go through that process. Yeah. And to support the accreditation effort, we're going through it for a couple right now, but we've, we've earned a, we've earned one as well. Um, I would say document what you're doing. Um, you know, look for big projects that you know will, will be good case studies for the accreditations. And then as you're going through them, space, Pay, pay special attention to uh, documentation. How did we do this? What was the challenge? What was the approach we took? Because you'll need that information when it comes time to apply for accreditations. That's a great tip. 
Now, before I, I give us the transition here in topic, I first just need to I just need I need to know what team you guys are on. Are you niche or niche? <laughs> I'm, I bet we're on I'm opposite. Yeah. I'm on, you guys are on, I'm on team right. ni- niche. So you're niche. Duncan, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, you're telling me you're niche. All right. That's, yeah. I'm team niche. Neither team gets you know uh, marmot rain jacket, so it's you know, there's no. <laughs> but uh, uh, obviously, you know, uh, with the launch of Rocka Health. Right. Uh, my assumption here is that you've built a, a catalog of, you know, uh, cl- accounts or clients in that space. Uh, you tend to do tremendous work. Uh, you're really starting to align yourselves with that vertical. But but how do you uh, or how should other partners think about, you know, maybe their niche or their industry alignment? And is there a tipping point towards like, hey, you know, uh, uh, is there an opportunity for like a sub brand or something there? So talk me just give us an idea of what Raka Health is, how it's different from the standard Raka branding, and then the yeah. decision-making criteria when, you know, all right, let's let's sub-brand this out, not just be deeply aligned with, with that industry. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, when we started Raka in 2004, our first couple of clients were healthcare clients. Um, they just happened to be. And uh, in fact, they're both still clients here almost 20 years later. Um and both HubSpot clients as well. Uh, we've brought them brought them into the HubSpot world, but um, it's just something that we've that we've always had uh, in in our sort of the industries we work in. And, and we for for years we didn't specialize, and we don't outside of Rocket Health. We really don't only work with specific industries. There are certainly some that we work with more than others, um, but a lot of times we just look at the uh, company individualized company and say, is this a company that needs our services, that sort of sees us as experts, and can we can we actually move the needle for them? Can we help them out more so than you know? Are they selling to this exact type of customer? Or you know, I know a number of partners too will be like, hey, this is the industry or the verticals we support. We'll actually say no or decline business yeah. if they don't fall in right to that ICP or that vertical. That's not that's not where Raka operates necessarily. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We look more at the company as, you know, the individual company and see if, if that company is a good fit for us. But that said, you know, you do enough work and you start to see patterns where you're working with uh, specific, specific industries more than others. Healthcare is one of those for us. And over the years, we've just gained a lot of experience and understanding in healthcare, which is a really uh, special sort of uh, industry. It's, it's regulated. uh, It's, it's you have to be careful how you market it, uh, especially if you're marketing to patients, not only from a privacy standpoint, but also just from a sort of um, making sure that you're being sensitive standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've learned a lot over the years of exactly how to market healthcare in uh, in in that sensitive and private and regulated way. And a couple of years ago, we started we took a look at that and said, you know, we do all this work for healthcare, we have all this expertise. And people come to us specifically because we understand how to navigate the world of regulation for healthcare. We really should be out there more and talking about this. And that's what really made the shift for us is being able to say, not that this is going to be the only industry we focus on, but that we are very good at this industry and we should really capitalize on that and and, um, put it out there so people really understand that. Um, Healthcare, like any other industry, you know, they like to see that you get their industry, um, that you know what what it's like there, um, that you know what their customers expect, that you know what their partners and, and other businesses expect. And so um, so that, that's been really uh, important for us. And 
also as we uh, as HIPAA compliance becomes more of a factor with digital marketing and uh, and everything that that sort of um, encompasses, we want to um, show that that we understand how to navigate that world as well. Uh, I'm glad you brought up HIPAA. I want to put a pin in that. I have a few follow up questions. I'm sure there's going to be some uh, tips or recommendations that others can can uh, borrow just based on your experience there. But it sounds like the decision for Rocket Health is less about you know, less on the agency side is being, oh, that is a vertical we're deeply aligned with. Therefore, we should have a separate brand. It's more so, and correct me if I'm wrong, how specialized or unique a particular industry or vertical is and how important it is for you to be able that to demonstrate that you have the expertise, you speak that language, right? You have that specialization. As we know, healthcare, there's a lot of regulatory compliance, you know, type issues that you need to be an expert in. Is that a fair assessment or reflection I think back? So yeah. Yeah. It's it's really about um, giving a, a confidence to to healthcare companies that we know what we're doing, and um, and you can come to us and have faith that we're going to be able to work with your compliance team and be able to speak that language, while also being able to understand your patients and what they're what they're searching for and what they're going to look for from an experience with your website or with with your marketing, and how we can then translate that into um, getting people to become leads, and then what we do with their data if they become patients and things. Now, when the decision's made to, to roll out uh, Rocka Health, uh, what, if anything, had to change internally, structurally, operationally? Uh, so how do you staff manage, support that sub-brand with the existing Rocka team? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. It's a challenge that we are, uh, we're you know, learning about and, and evolving our answer to. Um, one of the things that we've done is to create a team dedicated to, to marketing that organization and understanding the messaging, the way we speak about it, what our clients for Rocka Health are, are most interested in. So we've done that. We've got a dedicated group that uh, supports Rocka Health and also has experience working on healthcare brands and is sort of the go-to team for Rocka Healthcare. Um, the other things that we've done include some adjustments with our own HubSpot portal to set up, um, you know, we had to, we built a new website, designed and built a new white website for it, but also just shifting some of the ways that we manage contacts and manage our database to be able to tag uh, health clients and prospects and make things a little bit easier for our team to be able to use. In terms of staffing up, you know, we made the decision that we've got a great team of talented people here and the skills that we need to serve our non-healthcare clients are applicable to the, the skills that we need to serve health clients. So we've, we've really drawn some lines, but there's a great deal of flexibility. So we can pull in different types of um, team members to provide different services. For example, you know, developers can work on a, a health client as well as a non-health client pretty easily. It's more along uh, the lines of marketers. The, the people who are producing copy, planning out marketing strategies, and really having to keep the sensitivity in mind for prospective patients or maybe more sensitive topics and HIPAA management. So um, we've got a dedicated group that works on that, but they still also work on some other clients as well. No, as you've outlined, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and you actually, you teed that up too to be like, hey, this is kind of how we're approaching it. Obviously, we're we're, we're learning as well, we're, you know, as, as we go from the decision, maybe it was like a leadership offsite. You're like, you know, we're going to do this thing. 
We're going to roll out Rocka Health from that point to the official rollout, uh, staffing support, the full brand, et cetera. I mean, how, what's the time frame? How long does that take to, to spin up? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it took, it took a little while because we sort of, we wanted to think it through quite a bit and make sure that it was the right move for us, make sure that we, uh, that we really did it carefully. Um, we had plenty of healthcare work. It wasn't like we had to, you know, um, run out and try to drum up a lot of business. And so we want to do it carefully. We also try to run, in terms of decision-making, um, we try to run a fairly flat organization. Of course, leadership sort of makes the final call on things and, and often is bringing things to the table. Um, but we want to get buy-in from from really the whole team. And that, that was important to us on this as well. We rolled out um, the idea, but then really made it a company-wide brainstorm and saying, how should we do this? What are we not thinking of? How is this going to benefit the, you know, Rock as a whole? And, um, you know, are there any pitfalls we should be concerned about? And by getting buy-in on, on sort of a major decision like that, we were able to really come up with the best way to roll it out and take our time doing it um, and put together the right marketing strategy and the right uh, website and all the right tools in place. And, and so, uh, it took us some time, and that was okay with us. We really wanted to to think it through strategically uh, as as a group. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, yeah, and that makes a ton of sense. Um, now, I would, oh, I go would ahead. Say, yeah, I would say it was about a year, right, from when we started planning it until we we launched the site, or so maybe yeah. more. The experience have been building for years, you know, and the approach that we take for sure. But but it, you know. Um, it was Duncan's idea. It was a great idea. And he had it and he kind of introduced it to some of the team and said, what do you guys think? We kind of worked to evolve it and then um, rolled it out to the wider team as, as an initiative and then um, did a strategy, a marketing strategy, an operations strategy, and then put it in place. It was about a year, I would say. Well, I mean, it's 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 a good point too that there's you know multiple layers to it. And it's like, well, you have to build up the client base and the expertise. Of course, that was years in the making. The actual, you know, uh, the the systems are like, all right, how do we actually spin up the website and some other things like the actual tactical components? Maybe a year or so, but over time too, you, it sounds like you were shopping the idea, getting some team wide buy in, like you wanted to rally the troops uh, behind it. So yeah, I think all that makes a, a ton of sense. Um, now, you guys also spoke too. again, this was more about the partner program, but the importance of sourcing and demand gen and, and prospecting. And But uh, are those also the components that you're benchmarking the success of Rocka Health against? Or like, you know, what are the primary KPIs? How are you hoping to, to, to you know, uh, benchmark or, or what are you looking at to ensure that, you know, a sub brand like Rocka Health is successful? Yeah, I'll, I'll address the marketing part of that first, I think. Um, so, you know, we've set goals for leads generated, website traffic, um, engagements on social and things like that. Um, as I mentioned, we've, we've got some segmentation happening in our database and HubSpot. Make sure that, you know, we know which which clients are Rocka Health and which are, are classic Rocka. So there, there were a lot of things that we did there. Um, we did set some goals and we're measuring against those in the traditional way we would run a, a monthly retainer. So we report against those each month. Um, from um, an operation standpoint or revenue or number of clients, uh, we've set some goals there, but it's the type of thing where we already had a bunch of health clients, you know? And so we're looking to build that and add to it. So it's not it's not so much like we have a, a startup that and it's a brand new um, 
technology or, or a right. piece of software or an app or something. It's more like, hey, we're really good at this and we've been doing it for a while. So we want people to know that this is an expertise for us. So we've got some marketing goals, but um, it's not necessarily a make or break situation where we have to set clear uh, revenue goals for Rocket Health in that way. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good distinction between, well, yeah, spinning up startup, right? Starting from scratch zero versus like, hey, how do we make sure the market is aware of the expertise that we already own and can prove and, and can validate? And honestly, I think you brought up a good point too. If we think about the benefits, the value add, you mentioned, well, our systems and our marketing strategies are set up in a way uh, that we segment out, right? Rocka Health versus uh, Classic Rock. I love that. Uh, but so it sounds like if anything, from a marketing perspective, you're getting the right messages, the relevant messages in the right, you know, using the right taxonomy to the right, to the right, you know, recipients. Is that like the marketing? Is that the, the biggest value add that you've seen? I feel like it is just being able to tell that story and being able to quickly have that conversation with new prospects in the healthcare industry. Because as I'm sure any of the partners who work in the HubSpot Solutions Partner Program will say, a common question is, what have you done in our industry, regardless of the industry? It comes up a lot for professional services. So if, uh, if there are prospects in the marketplace, in the ecosystem, um, and just talking to get word of mouth suggestions from industry leaders and things like that, having that hook to explain that we have deep experience in healthcare has, has really been important for us. And that's that's sort of um, the differentiator that we're looking for. We want, we know we can do all of these things very well. Mm-hmm. We just want, we just want that brand awareness and that to be known as the HubSpot partner who can really support healthcare marketing. Uh, yeah, makes sense. Now, I think Duncan, you had mentioned um, HIPAA compliance, uh, so mm-hmm. let's get there. How do you implement HubSpot for your clients' healthcare uh, in a way that maintains HIPAA compliance? And I can only I can only assume that no two, you know, clients are the same in regards to what and how that needs to operate, what that looks like, et cetera. But what are the, what are the baseline best practices for implementing HubSpot? With yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. That uh, every company is different. Um, every compliance team has different needs, uh, different levels of sort of comfort with it. Um, but the, but the bottom line is that um, at the end of the day, you don't want to have, because HubSpot is not currently HIPAA compliant, um, because it's not signing a, a business associate agreement with the company, with the healthcare company. Um, it's certainly secure enough and, and things like that. They've locked down a lot of uh, the access within the system and things like that that would enable it to be HIPAA compliant. But because of that sort of agreement, um, it, it's not currently treated as HIPAA compliant. And so therefore, um, when we use HubSpot, again, uh, making sure that it, that it works for each individual compliance team, um, but typically, we use it for when we're marketing to prospective patients. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're not a patient yet, we're marketing to you. We can put you in to the HubSpot database and we can market to you. We can nurture. We can do all of those sorts of things. Um, but then once we get to a point where uh, that that contact becomes a patient, we want to remove them from HubSpot and get them into a, uh, a different system that is HIPAA compliant. Now, that could be with some of our clients. We've built custom systems that that we uh, then use that allow us to continue to sort of market to um, to patients specifically, but um, but in a HIPAA compliant way. Um, sometimes it's the uh, ERM, the uh, the uh, medical record system that 
companies use um, and that we're tying that together as well. Sometimes we're building interstitial systems to sort of um, talk between HubSpot and and HIPAA compliance systems. There's lots of different different uh, ways to to go about it. The important thing is to put together that plan that shows here's how we're going to treat non-patients, here's how we're going to treat data of patients, and here's where the line is, and here's how we're going to make sure that we're respecting the law, respecting patient privacy, and keeping compliance teams happy while also making sure that we're able to do you know everything that we can to help grow the business and market to um, everybody who could who could use the services of that particular healthcare company. Now you know uh, a couple of different points in the in the conversation. I know you guys have alluded to. Well, our developers or the development team. I know they've been. But I can only imagine how integral they are for for this portion of the engagement. You mentioned some custom builds potentially, or some yeah. official systems to like get the information uh, over in a secure way. So I can only imagine the the development uh, expertise that's required to pull some of that stuff off. It really is, and we're um, we have a great team of developers here in house at Raqqa who've built systems like this. Um, and one of the things that's important to note is each organization we work with, each client in the healthcare space has different standards or different, um, a different benchmark of compliance for their own HIPAA regulations, right? So it's really important to have those conversations with healthcare clients to understand what their expectations are and how they currently manage things. And then our development team has been um, fantastic about coming up with creative solutions to those challenges and yes, building some custom portals along the way so that we can manage um, to the client's expectations for compliance. Uh, it's not, um, it's not an easy thing to jump into, but once you're in there and, you know, we're like you mentioned, we're lucky we've got a great team of developers who can handle this kind of thing. Uh, you mentioned, I think, no two compliance teams are the same or they have different thresholds for you know, what compliance looks like for them. I mean, what are some of the, how do you suss out exactly what they need and how, like, to inform what you're going to propose as a solution? Are there the, what are the questions that, that you find yield the, the most pertinent information required? Yeah, sure. I'll take a stab at that. But Duncan, a little, little better mind for legal ease and whatnot. So maybe <laughs> you'll have some, some to add. So what we want to do is just really understand what the what they've done in the past, what they have experienced, what their internal legal team is recommending and has recommended, what it has uh, allowed and not allowed in the past. And make sure that we have a good understanding of that. And we look for the ways that are going to be, that are going to cause the least amount of friction to their current processes, right? Um, because we know that the it's usually the marketing and sales teams that are all in on HubSpot and they want those features and the ability to do all the awesome stuff that HubSpot does. Yeah. But it's the, it's the uh, compliance and legal team that really needs to approve the solution as well. So we, tre we tread lightly and respectfully, and we want to make sure that we've got that uh, as clear a picture as we can from the outset of the engagement so that whatever we're proposing, we know that it's, it's something that's realistic and that we can actually implement. Yeah, it's an interesting point too that, uh, you know, usually your champion, your internal champions are, are folks uh, on their marketing teams or want to, you know, yield the benefits of, of these types yeah. of marketing strategies that can be executed on HubSpot. But I mean, it sounds like a really important decision maker that you need to win over is whoever the head of compliance is, or you need them to be on board with what you're going to propose. Right. 
We do, and there there are a lot of conversations and back and forth in that. So it's a it's usually a long process um, to to figure that out. Sometimes the sales process moves pretty quickly, but then the nuts and bolts need to be worked out, and the technical specifications take a little time to to hammer out. But yeah, yeah, you definitely there's always an IT um, leader involved, and then and a compliance leader. And then order of operations wise, are, are, is IT and compliance involved when they're vetting, you know, vendors or different, you know, uh, services providers and systems, or are those conversations maturing after they've, you know, decided to, to progress or move forward with someone like Rocket Health, right? What's like the order of operations for involving them? It, it goes in, in different ways, man. But, sure. uh, <laughs> it but depends. All, yeah. Yeah. But, I, but what I would say uh, relative to HubSpot, especially, is that... Um, you know, we really need to get sign off from the decision maker in IT, the decision maker in compliance, that um, that HubSpot's a, a workable tool. And we need to also demonstrate the uh, case studies that we've uh, that we've got that we where we've used HubSpot in a HIPAA compliant way in the past before we get sign off on these types of engagements. So it's uh, it could I would say, you know, for HubSpot contracts, you've got to get all those people to be on board and make sure you got a workable solution before you can move forward. Um, off, sometimes we'll see organizations begin just with marketing, right? So might be a marketing starter for HubSpot, and then they want to expand what they're doing with it. So then, you know, there's a larger conversation about how to how to make that integrate with their other systems and whatnot. So, um, oh, interesting. So the engagement may start at. Uh... You know, uh, it doesn't HIPAA compliance isn't required to get going, but then you know, based on the success of maybe you know marketing starter and some marketing activities on, within, you know, the engagement can expand, and they're interested in you know the expanded coverage. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Duncan, I think I have you. I see you as muted. Just so you know. Oh, Duncan, you might just want to unmute the mic. There it is. I All right, you. I got you. <laughs> um, it's important to note too that when. Um, we're talking about HIPAA. We're really talking about when we're marketing to patients. If this is a B2B healthcare company, it's really, it's not, you know, we're not having to deal with that. It's really about patient confidentiality and personal health information and making sure that, you know, we're treating that data very securely and, um, and with a lot of privacy, um, but that is really just for patient-focused communication. That's a good point. And that HIPAA isn't something that's just a blanket statement. Oh, you're interested in, in you know, working with, you know, the, the healthcare industry. Oh, well, then you need to ensure, you know, HIPAA compliance is top of mind. Well, it's if you are, you know, uh, capturing patient data or using patient data. So it's the patient component that's the app. Yeah, that's a really important call. Yeah, exactly. And and a lot of times we can we can market to people um, who are not patients. And if you're not a patient, we don't have to, to worry. I mean, obviously, we're always worried about, um, security and and privacy in a, in a general sense, but um, but we then have to sort of take it to a to a very um strong level once once uh we're talking about an actual patient. Makes sense. Now, guys, as we come up on time, uh, I tend to wrap every episode with the same question, so we'll see if we can put a slightly different flair to it uh, based on the conversation today around healthcare. But it's uh, what's the strangest part of agency life? Uh, but maybe what's the strangest part of you know, health uh, patient data, healthcare sub brand services providing life. Oh man, you should see some of the things that we have to when we're looking for stock photos. 
some of the like internal organs we have to search for and uh and get used to like sort of being like i don't know does that look too much like a face or <laughs> you know um there's there's been some interesting search histories that are totally legit and uh you know and right right what we're supposed to be doing but you know might raise some eyebrows if uh if an outsider looked in well stock images in and of themselves are fairly, it's just a, it's a slippery slope it's a strange place <laughs> yeah absolutely um, how about you, Brian? Anything, anything strange top of mind for you? Um, I would, uh, that was a really good one. I would say, um, just in agency life in general, just, um, the, uh, now nah, I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah, all right. <laughs> hey, listen, you're like, I'll double down on the stock images. There's some weird <laughs> pictures you can pull up, you know, there was for sure. Yeah. I just don't want to say anything I'll get in trouble for. So. Uh, well, guys, I uh, appreciate you both coming on the podcast. I uh, loved hearing uh, about the journey Rock has had through the program, how you've adapted to some product rollouts, how you've adapted to some programmatic changes over time. Uh, and then obviously loved hearing about Rocka Health, uh, both the go-to-market and operationalization of it, uh, but also, you know, the approach and how you, you know, uh, ensure HIPAA compliancy if and when required. Uh, so anyways, guys, there's a ton here, but thank you so much for, uh, for coming on the show. Thanks, yeah, Kevin. It's great. Thanks. Thank you for having us. Um, where do you go from here? Like uh, when we w- would we see a? It's a good a question. Place? I'm gonna I'm gonna hit this quick soundbite and then I will. Uh, I have you guys on the counter. Let me just hit this quick, real quick. Uh, and for those that have just tuned in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.